Are we live? Yes, we are. Hey, everybody. We are back. We are back like we never left. We had to take a break for some reasons that we're not going to talk about today. I think it's okay to talk about it because Uh it can help people. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, we are back. Hey, everybody. I am your co-host, Deontay. And I'm Shakima, his wife. And we are the Dunlabs. You are in it with us again. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. We are so happy that you came. Thank you for tuning in and all that good stuff. We appreciate your love and your support. All right. We're going to jump right on into it. Today is the cypher. We're doing the cypher. One of my favorite things, one of my old pastimes as a youngster in, in the middle of the cypher freestyling, kicking it kicking with the rhymes but you know we ain't gonna rhyme today we're gonna we're gonna put that we're gonna freestyle off of you know topics today you know but what's you on our mind could, though i want to just yeah. interject and say that you well, definitely I'm, could i'm a little rusty but you know better rusty than most. a rusty knife will still cut you so still better than most baby hey you know what i'm saying but in typical dunlap fashion when you're in it with us you get a little bit of history so we're gonna kick it off today in typical fashion what do we want to talk about in the social justice area, baby? So, a um, couple things. So, today in history, um, March 21st, 1981, Michael, McDo- Michael Donald was hanged by members of the Klan in Mobile, Alabama. And we just came through Mobile. We always go home through Mobile. Well, not always, but Most generally. Of the time. Most of the time. So, Michael Donald was hanged and murdered by the Klan. Um, on March 21st, 1981, a 19-year-old Black man named Michael Donald was beaten, strangled, and slashed at the throat and hanged in Mobile, Alabama by two members of the United Clans of America. Initially, local police wrongly attributed Mr. Donald's death to drug violence, as always, but his family insisted that he had not been involved in drug activity and demanded a more thorough investigation. Tests also show no trace of drugs in Mr. Donald's body. Authorities later charged Klansmen Henry Hayes and James Knowles with Mr. Donald's murder and charged Benjamin Cox Jr. as an accomplice. Evidence revealed that local Klan leaders had been monitoring the trial of Josephus Anderson, a Black man charged with killing a white police officer in Birmingham, Alabama. When that trial ended in a mistrial on March 21st, because the jury was unable to reach a verdict, members of the Klan and Mobile sought to to make violence a response. If a Black man can get away with killing a white man, said Benny Hayes, a high-ranking Klansman and father of Henry Hayes, we ought to be able to get away with killing a Black man. Michael Donald was killed that night. All three white men charged with Michael Donald's death were convicted. Mr. Knowles and Mr. Cox received life sentences and were later paroled, while Mr. Hayes was sentenced to death and executed by the state of Alabama in 1997. In 1984, Michael Donald's mother, Beulah Donald, sued the United Clans of America. She ultimately won a $7 million wrongful death suit, and though very little money was ever collected, the ruling did bankrupt the white supremacist organization. That is today in history, March 21st, 1981. Wow. 
there's a little bit of everything in that one. Yeah. And there is a great documentary about um, Michael Donald's mother and how she basically ended that organization, that iteration, because they always come back. It's like the Hydra. Um, But how her she didn't really get any money. You know, she got some, but nothing in comparison to the pain and suffering and the loss of her son's life. But she did cause that organization to um, go bankrupt and close. And um, it reminds me of a couple things, recent things. So the EJI's website, which is where we always get our today in in social justice history. um, On March 3rd this year, they posted something about a Tennessee lawmaker's comments about lynching. So this is a Tennessee state representative, so not a member of the U.S. government, but the the state legislature. Um, Lawmakers were discussing House Bill 1245, which would allow electrocution as an alternative to lethal injection and an amendment that would add execution by firing squad. When Representative Paul Sherrill of Sparta said, I was just wondering, could I put an amendment on that that would include hanging my tree also? So CNN carried footage of the statement. There is video evidence of him saying it. Uh, EJI has already documented 236 racial terror lynchings of Black people in Tennessee between 1877 and 1950. If the Donald case is any indication that hangings are still taking place, then there, there are likely many more, right, that maybe have not even been considered lynchings. But for this legislator to even intimate that lynching, hanging by a tree, which we know who that means, right, should be lawful in the case of a crime when Almost every lynching that has ever taken place in America was instigated, right, by the idea that a Black man committed a crime for which he didn't really deserve to have a jury trial or I just, it's um, unthinkable. And for me, the straw that breaks the camel's back is the recent death of Rasheem Carter in Mississippi. Um, This was about two weeks ago. Um, He was missing. His family reported him missing. And they called on the DOJ to investigate because they believed he was lynched. His body was dismembered when they found him. And so I'll tell you a little bit about that story. So, The family of a Black man whose remains were found a month after he went missing in Mississippi believes he was lynched and dismembered, and they called on the U.S. Justice Department to investigate, and he had sent his mother a text saying that white men in trucks were trying to kill him. He sent his mother that text before he went missing, and um, his head was severed from his body. And his spinal cord was separated from his head and other body parts were scattered. He went missing in October. And they're just figuring out like all these things because they're just finding the body parts. So I just wanted to 
ask for a moment of silence for 25-year-old Rasheem Carter of Mississippi and his family. Thank you. It ain't even a lot to say. I think the story speaks for itself. The, the, the it's just heinous. It is barbaric. It's brutal. It is again. It's that heart of darkness. You know that that heart of evil. You know, as if you can call it that. I don't even. It's it's just it's just treachery on a level that's that's almost inexplicable but you know it's hmm. uh, that's that is terrifying knowing that you know things of that nature are happening you know i mean you know of course we don't know the whole story but if, you know when when you think about the implications of you know the the story implies that you know this was these were strangers who just decided that, hey, that's the one we're going to do. And to, it's just, it's just cruelty on a, on a obscene level, you know, and, and, and no, I can't imagine anybody making peace with something like that, knowing that it happened to a loved one. And so it's just, You know, there have been several cases of black bodies, you know, being found with organs missing. Um, you know, which suggests at this point that the lynchings are not to eat us anymore. It's not to barbecue us and eat us, but to harvest organs, um, to steal melanin, maybe. Um but just the idea of decapitating someone and detaching their spinal cord, like I just, what that, that goes beyond rage. You That's know, captured. rage is like a strangling or a gunshot or something like that. But that is like almost a calculated, mm-hmm. methodical, intentional evil. You know, they want whoever did this they they wanted to do it and they took pleasure in it mm-hmm. they took pleasure in it you know and it's just it's inexcusable it's it's hard you you can't explain that away that that is yeah that is like i said that's just inexcusable yeah and, and part of part of you know like the the text messages that he sent to his mom before the night that he went missing. So like earlier that month, he had talked about, he sent her text messages saying that he and the the owner of the company that he was working for weren't seeing eye to eye. And it was a white man, right? And he sent her a text. He didn't say who it was, but he said, if anything happened to me, he's responsible for it. He said, I'm too smart, mama. He's got these guys wanting to kill me. 
And then the text message comes October 1st, you know, with the saying that three truckloads of white guys were trying to kill him. That idea of being too smart, um, that's prevalent throughout American history, where knowing too much, whether it's your basics, alphabet at some point, you know, knowing too much and being Black is like the call sign for we got to get rid of you. Right. Um, And I think about, you know, with my students right now, I've been they've been doing research papers on um, multicultural short stories from American literature. And one of the stories that they read was uh, Ralph Ellison's The Black Ball. And, you know, there's a line in the story where the narrator talks about, you know, being referred to as that damn educated nigger. You know, and here we are in 2023. 2023. And having the ability to think for yourself, having the ability to advocate for yourself, to challenge um, injustice, to challenge unrighteousness, is met with murder. You know, you said something, you know, before we go to the our next topic, you know, you said something that I think that as a, you know, as a as a as a people, you know, we we think that we we we, you know, when because you know, we say a lot about, you know, I can't believe that things is like this are still happening in 2023. And I think what's important to recognize is that evil don't sleep. That's it. Bigotry has no expiration date. Neither does ignorance. Um, and to and I think it's so it's, it's shocking because we think that these things are outdated or these things shouldn't be happening. But it's like evil don't sleep. Evil, you know, if evil goes away, it just finds its right time to to bring itself back to light. You know, and 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 I think the key is is to is to keep shining the light on it, you know, and 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 don't behold it to the past, and remember that these same that that same energy, that same spirit, that same mindset is pervasive throughout history, and it's something that you know. I don't know, you know, it, it's it's no matter when it happens, it should be, it should, we, we should have moments of silence. We should, like I said, continue to shine the light on it and, and don't minimize it by time yes. because that, that stuff is immortal, you know, and it's, it's just, is the, you know, it's the, just as it's been here just as long as the concepts of good and evil and it don't, it don't sleep. It just picks its time to show itself. It's an unfortunate thing. And, and you know, and I, and I think that if we if we keep the fight, if we if we keep it going and recognize that it's going to be here, there is no timetable that we but if we have to be at the door to meet it every time to shine the light on it and to stand against it. I think that's the key thing, you know, and it's a shame that these things don't are, are aren't outdated, you know, but we have to evolve as a species, you know, um, to get past that and you know i just and i don't know if we're 
quite there yet. You know, I, I'm not sure that we're, we're quite, you know, um, human beings as a whole. Um, we draw so many lines and so many, so many categorizations and you, and we find ways to be, the darkness finds its way, you know, and it finds its way in the most vulnerable and sometimes the most, you know, sometimes those who aren't that vulnerable. So it's a, it's a very pervasive thing that is hard to pin down and it is elusive. It is deceptive. And it's, and most of all it's corruptive and it just corrodes and destroys everything that it, that it touches. It's just, oh, you like, you have some thoughts, but would, would you want to, would you want to share? You know, I was just thinking about the concept of heaven and hell, right? And this is supposed to be such a Christian nation that we, you know, have created laws that prevent people from, you know, aborting babies because we're worried about the sanctity of life. And in the same breath, in the same breath, and I think about the concept of heaven and hell how, as it has been passed down to people who look like me. And it's clear that some people don't really believe that. If you truly believed there was a heaven and a hell, then you would move differently. And it makes me, you know, conscious that there have to be people who really believe that this plane of existence is all there is. Right? That if man's laws or if society is unable to punish you for your deeds or misdeeds if all of you believe that your reward is here and that when you die there's nothing right it's just total darkness and you're asleep then you take liberties to do things like hangings like murders like oppress people you take liberties with that because there's no way you believe in an afterlife and you live like that in this. Well, and I, I agree with that, but there's also, but I would like to add to that in the sense that of the mindset of, cause I've, I've heard this said before, and I believe this is part of it is the mindset that there were some that rather be Kings in hell than perceived slaves in heaven. So it is, it, I think it depends on the person. I think it's just, that's a very I, interesting take. I think, I, I think some people prefer, you know, what we would consider hell versus what, you know, cause heaven to them may in turn be heaven to us, maybe hell to them in reverse. So it's, it's a, it's a really interesting um, comparison when you start to really look at what, especially from a value standpoint, right. you know, cause again, you know, if, if the, if, if being a King in hell means to do what you, you know, do what you want to do versus, you know, what they think you, you know, the perception of what you might be in what they perceive as heaven, you know? So, so in that vein, the laws are just to keep the rest of us within the guidelines, right? So the laws are to keep the rest of us in the rails. So we mm -hmm. don't go outside the box, right? Because if we all start to give up on the law, if we all start to give up on the idea of an afterlife, 
um, whether it's recompense for your behaviors and misgivings in this plane, then there's nothing to stop us from retaliating. And, you know, some people rather take something than nothing, you know, so it is a it is a really deep, deep puddle to step into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the human mind, the human spirit is a very complex and very fickle thing, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's, it's and that line between good and evil, love and hate, you know, um, fear fear and love Mm -hmm. it's a very very thin line yeah you know so so that's it transition us to something else let's talk about it's gonna be a little creepy y'all i'm just giving y'all a warning we'll call it creepy so let's talk about today and take today in technology history um, this would be these. I think these would be pretty good. Um, okay. By the way, we are. Um, this is also um, from the from the website thisdayintechhistory.com. We are not sponsored by these websites. These no, are. These we would are, love to be though. Thanks. These are. Um, these are on our own. You know, on on our own doing things that we find worthy of sharing with you. So, with that being said, let's talk about March twenty first and the past. All right. On this day, 1965, the launch of Ranger 9, more space exploration. NASA launches Ranger 9, the last of the Ranger series of unmanned lunar exploratory spacecraft. Ranger 9 was the first moon probe to point its cameras directly in the direction of its travel, capturing 5,814 detailed images of the moon's surface into which it would la- into which it would crash land almost three days later. It also sent back video images which were broadcast on live TV. The Ranger series was the precursor to the Apollo moon landing program. Interesting. Wow. The moon, the yep. thing that creates the tides that raises the water and lowers the water. You know, as I heard some interest, I've heard some interesting um interesting theories on the moon but i think that that that'll be for another topic that i don't want to i don't want to derail the conversation um and then this day in 2006 i think everybody you relate to this one the world's very first tweet okay twitter co-founder jack dorsey sends the world's first non-automated tweet quote just setting up my Twitter, which was spelled completely wrong, soon to be followed by the just as engrossing quote, um, I, and I quote, inviting coworkers. A note to future entrepreneurs: When doing the first of anything, it may be for posterity, so try to be interesting. So those are our date. Those are our two um, happenings: um, March twenty-first in history. The first one was 1965, and the second one, the world's first tweet, was in 2006. Thank you. Uh-huh. I want to give that makes sense, though. Because I want to give know, thanks to the um, this day and take history site. I thought that was some pretty good information. But go ahead. No, and, and I'm sorry for interrupting. It just you know I don't remember a time without Twitter. But now that you bring it up that it was 2006, I'm like, hmm, that makes sense because I was using it to teach, you know, around 2010 ish. 
So by that time, I guess I was a late adopter, um, but it was still relatively new to most people. But then I'm thinking about, you know, we were talking earlier today about um, technology and I received the invitation to participate in Google's new uh, AI program called The Bard. And for those of you who um, are familiar with Shakespeare, Shakespeare is the bard, right? Mm-hmm. And it basically one of the features that like in the advertisement that it was trying to get, you know, to get you excited about it, it was saying, let the bard write your new novel. And I was like, wait a minute. So now you could be totally illiterate and be a best-selling author. Just have an idea. Everybody can have a PhD at this point because all you got to do is get AI to write it for you. So we're going to have to figure out systems around that, right? Because, um, yeah, like I, I, what is that going to mean for knowledge creation, content create? Like, what is that going to mean when you go to the New York Times bestselling list and, and you know, a third of them are written by people and the other third are written by AI and is AI like internalizing all of the best qualities of the best human writers and creating their own algorithm to say like, we know like based on all the best sellers throughout time or, you know, how Amazon, I'm um, not Amazon, but um, Barnes and Noble used to sell a book called the hundred best novels ever written or something or hundred novels you need to know. And, you know, in the year 2050, how many of those will be written by AI versus people? And so I just think about things like that. Um, you know, I, I, Twitter changed my life, I can say. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. It just kind of came through and I just accepted it. But I'm a little bit more leery of this, this AI, like the, the chat GPT and stuff like that, because I'm an English teacher. And so the thing that I like about Twitter is that it's about concision. You know, you have 140 characters or they had other, you know, uh, extensions that you could use to give you longer tweets. But for the most part, you had to get to the point, you know, and it's so um, fun when somebody does like a whole Twitter thread, that's like a a novel or uh, something you have to follow the thread, you know, I love it when people do that. That's a part of what makes us people. Right. And so, you know, what are your thoughts about that? So, I have a lot of thoughts about it. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in the AI space personally, you know, I've, you know, as a, as a techie, as a, as a guy, as a, as a dude who grew up on, you know, all things, you know, technology, you know, um, Star Trek, back to the future, you know, all types of, you know, um, space exploration, new um, movies, time travel, you know, th- movies like iRobot, Terminator, you know, just, you know, you name it. And just the ideations that you can come up with, you know, um, thinking about a, a sentient machine, you know, and while I do see some very concerning things, I do think there are some levels that AI won't be able to reach. But I, but the, the truth is, is that it's very, but despite the things that AI can't do, it's very far reaching. When you've seen some of the artwork, just the general, just, just as a, and as an artist, you know, I'm looking at some of the art that AI can generate and it's just, it's mind blowing sometimes. Um, Just, you know, a few words, a few descriptive words, and it can, it can create, you know, some incredible imagery. 
um, you know, even with the writing, you know, and so it does put a lot of the creative space um, on notice, you know, it does bring a lot of concern there, you know, um, you know, how do you compete with something like that? But, you know, in, in kind of exploring some of my, you know, some some thoughts around it, this is going to be this is going to drive people to be more authentic. Okay. This is going to be where the true creators, the creatives come out. I mean, you know, you have those who you, you have, you know, those uh, those artists that can, you know, this is just talk about, you know, animators and, you know, artists. Um, mo, I, you know, I want to say most uh, most, you know, um, you know, animators or, you know, um, or, you know, those that do, you know, graphic, you know, um, computer computer generated graphics. You know, most of those people are um, pretty good, you know, um, what's the description, um, artists by hand, you know, they can draw on paper and they can draw on the P on, on the PC, they can draw digitally. And so this is going to, you know, I can see this being a, a move back to that more hand drawn, like I don't I don't want a AI generated picture. I want something that a person drew. Okay. something that came from your mind. And so this this is an opportunity for those who are true, you know, um the 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 with the true penmanship who can really really draw. This might be an era to bring those individuals back where they have a space where, you know, where they can compete with yeah yeah, you know, you can you where they can compete with some of these, you know, um AI generated um you know, creative, you know, material. And you know, and, and it's a, you know, okay, did you come up with that on your own? Or did you draw this? Is this a product of your mind? Or is this something that, you know, was generated by a PC? And so, you know, it, it brings to mind, you know, again, you know, myself, my, you know, um, you know, all of most of the men in my family are very good artists, where we can all take a pencil and we can, we can come up with something really creative on a sheet of paper. And, you know, so it makes me think about, you know, you know, you know, some of my people and this is a grand opportunity for us, you know, um, to compete, you know, and, and, and I, but I think that's, what's going to separate AI from, you know, um, those type, that type of content, you know, now when you talk about the written language, you know, I, I do believe there will be limitations. I think there will be very few. Um, but I think the more I, I don't like, I don't believe that AI will be able to um, write it phonetically, write it as if it was spoken. I think I think um, you one way you would be able to tell AI from a human response is how robotic is it? I don't think you know. I, I don't think that it will be able to capture the nuance of human language. So I think there will be some opportunity. I think there will be some limits to AI as far as the written space, you know, um, and, you know, speak, you know, especially when you, when you try to, um, when it's doing quotes, when it's quoting somebody's, you know, um, when it's, when it's taking a direct quote from someone, especially someone who is, you know, who speaks a, a certain dialect. I don't think that AI will be able to re reproduce that. I don't think AI will be able to reproduce emotion in writing and i know that's a and that's a very difficult thing that's even that's difficult for people to capture in writing you know so i think that um 
So I think while I think AI will be very disruptive in a creative space, I do think there will be some limitations. And what it's going to take is, you know, um, is going to take a enhanced um, eye, for example, and an enhanced, um, a trained eye, I'll say that, you know, um, like, and, and I'll use an example, like in the, in the, in the IT security space, we're trained to look for certain things that let uh, let's let us know if something is efficient email or a, you know, or someone trying, or a, um, you know, and, cause a lot of times, you know, things will be misspelled. Um, it'd be bad punctuation. So you, you, you become trained to look for that type of stuff. You go, you, you become trained to look at the email address, the URLs that's, you know, um, that's embedded in those emails to find, you know, did this come from, is this a genuine person? Is this person really looking for information or is this a efficient email? And so I think we're going to move, I think, you know, on, you know, when it comes down to, you know, like, you know, when you talk about, you know, writing novels and papers and dissertations and, you know, these, you know, um, these things in the education space, um, I think there's going to be a more, there's going to be a more, there's, it's going to call for a more well-trained eye to see, you know, the difference. And I think, but I think that it's going to take some time for us to see what AI can actually do. Because remember, AI, AI is pulling from the, the interwebs, right? And not everything, and while the interwebs is, it has a vast amount of information, it's not all correct. And so you kind of have to know your stuff too. You know, you have to be, you know, able to, um, to see, you know, to see through the, through the fog. And I think that's a lot, that's where a lot of the, you know, um, citations are going to come into play. Citing okay, yeah, sources. Yeah, I can cite too now. But that don't mean is that, but that doesn't mean that it'll cite a credible source. Well, if, so. I have seen students submit, and right now we have, we actually have, um, we have platforms that we can you kind of copy and paste and plug in, and it'll say whether or not AI wrote it. And it's you can tell AI to actually cite the story, cite scholarly resources, and it'll stick it right in there. Take quotes from the passage, put it in there, you know. Um, and so it's in the, the very beginning stages. So it's really a matter of people wanting to take time to, to find it, to seek it out. Because I think right now, a lot of teachers are just grading it. But the thing that helps is that you can match a student's writing on, you know, the everyday level to what they submit on the essay. And it's like, baby, you didn't write that. And Grammarly doesn't do the quotes for you. So even using a plugin like Grammarly is only going to help you so much. Um, so that's, it, you know, when it said, when the bard said, write your novel, I was like, wow. But it'll never be able to capture authentically you. It may be able to, be able to create a compelling story. But we started to talk about writing styles. And this is where things like styles are going to come into play. We authentically you is in that. And that's one thing that a machine cannot do. It's machine uh, and, and, and uh, artificial intelligence may be able to find the shortest path to this or the most efficient way to do this or be able to, you know, hit all the marks. But that authenticity, that writing style, like you, like you mentioned Shakespeare, Shakespeare has a specific style. Robert Greene has a specific style of writing. Even you have a specific style of writing. I have a specific style of writing. And I don't think that 
styles are going to be captured. And I think that's what's going to set everything apart. That's what's going to make it. That's what's going to make a break. And I think that when, while I think that there will be a massive industry for this, you know, AI generated stories and things of that nature, there's going to be a, it's going to put more credibility, more value on a writer's style. And this is going to focus, this is going to make those who are truly writers focus on what is authentically me. What can I bring to the table that not only because a person can replicate your style. They can they can they can they can take your prose, they can take the wordplay, they can take they, you know, they can break it down. That's something that a machine won't be able to do. And so I think that, you know, it's going to be a real push for the authentic, for the stylistic writing, because, you know, while a, I, I can see AI writing poetry. But I, I can't imagine AI matching my style of poetry or my style of rap, you know. Um, now, you know, but again, I'm speculating here and, you know, but just my understanding of how machine language works, there's nuance to humanity that I don't think machines will ever be able to capture. I could be wrong, but, you know. Um, Let's hope. You know, but it, but I think it will push. I think, I think we will see a push and maybe even another renaissance when it comes down to authenticity that's you know, in I'm your work. For. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for because we've already lived through the age of the ghostwriter. Like we have so many people who have created New York Times bestsellers, but they can't even put a sentence together because they pay people to write the stuff for them. Mm-hmm. So we already have an appetite for things that are not authentic to the actual, you know, person. There are so many books that I have personally read and I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. That person has great ideas and, you know, felt like the book changed my life. And then I found out that that person doesn't write any of their books. They have ghostwriters. And so we already have demonstrated that we're willing to tolerate that, you know, and I I, I hope you're right. I hope that it becomes, um, you know, a renaissance of creativity, originality, authenticity, and I'm hopeful that we, cre- we can kind of create some signature stamps to demonstrate that a human actually wrote this. And so instead of, you know, like there are things that people can do, some kind of digital footprint or something that demonstrates that an actual person was and created this. Um, that's what I'm excited about. Just we always rise to the occasion. We always do. And I'm interested in seeing what, how we will collectively respond to this. And I think that um, watching the rise of the machines, you know, kind of like the Terminator, uh, it makes me think about how we are collectively as human beings going to have to rethink this thing, how we're going to have to come together and have more authentic relationships with each other find more authentic ways to respond to and relate to each other. And I I am looking forward to that. I am looking forward to that. You know, the good or the bad thing about being human is that we're never satisfied, right? And while something might be hot, like chat GPT and all this stuff and AI generated this, that might be hot right now. Eventually, people are going to get tired of it. 
And they're like, I want, I want something written by a real person. Like we went from, you know, the, you know, the, you know, like when I want real food. I don't want this. I don't, I don't, you know, we went from, oh, fast food is great to now to a whole movement where people wanted natural foods, non-GMO, because they was they were dissatisfied with that. You know, and and so, you know, you have um, you know, you even got, you know, let's just talk even, you know cars you know people you know i, I you know we, we went from gas and everybody i'm tired of gas we want ev now we found the limitations in ev and people are like nope <laughs> and so that's the good and the bad about being human is that there's going to be a level of it's, it's like that bell curve you know you're going to have those who are going to early adopt it they're going to tell you it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and they're going to create a wave and all of this change and then you're going to hit a peak where it's going to level out and people are going to be like, okay, that when the novelty wears off, when it's like, oh, look what this thing can do for me versus like, yeah, but it's not real because we always go back to the authentic. We always go back to the thing we can relate to the most. And that's humanity. We always come back to humanity and, you know, and, and I can see this, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, you, you look at the time where we we have a lot of, um, you know, identity politics. Right. And, you know, I'm in and we had and now we have the birth of AI. This is the birth of AI. This is where it's not going anywhere. I'm it, you can't turn it off now. It's, you know, and when this thing self-actualizes and self-realizes, and and can begin to update itself because it will if if, if it, it will get there that's that's the that's the thing about technology as technology develops it exponentially develops you know and now that we have a thinking machine what you know you can't it's like a brain the, the brain don't stop and when this thing you know like when you watch like you know they always tell us the truth in movies when you think about the agent the um um the avengers ultron and how that thing became self-aware self-actualized and started making its own decisions yes which was creepy that's yeah. that's completely within the realm of possibility yeah i'm not saying it's going to happen but you can't count it out and what this does well, again this is going to bring us back to humanity where people are going to want to relate to people this is going to be the age of the impact where being able to have an emotional intelligence and not being so crass and logical and reason-based and relying on that human part of yourself that for so long we've, you know, we've got, you know, for so long we've been, people have told us to deny and ignore and, and how is, you know, not how emotions are not good for us and they're fickle and they, you know, they can lead you to destruction. We're about to, I can see us moving into an age where that's going to become the thing. That's going to be this people skill that people are going to want. That's going to be the people skill that people are going to seek is somebody that is emotionally intelligent because once this AI take over and human reason and logic is basically becomes obsolete because the, you, you can't, once the machine, once the logic of the machine becomes the, the thing, you can't out logic logic. You know, you, you can't, you know, out reason something that is designed to seek the most efficient reason. 
And once we get there, that's going, I, I can see that becoming a, 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 that, that moving us into a space of more of an empathetic space where it becomes, how do you connect with people? Yeah, we know the robots can think and they can do. We got the robots to do that. But how do you connect with people? How do you, because, you know, because a robot can't sell you stuff. A robot can't help you work through something. It can give you the answer. But when it comes down to the intricacies of human interaction and the human mind, it can't, the logic, the logic don't always apply. You're right. And, and so we're moving into an age where we're going to be essentially forced to be human. We're going to be forced to question what does it mean to be a human being? And we're going to, you know, again, all of the barriers that are out there, because again, when that machine come in, that machine ain't going to, the machine ain't going to see anything but with skin and bone. It's going to see the actual factuals and all of that nuances out the window. And it's going to, now the game is going to become, how do you do with the nuance? How do you deal with the person, you know, and the facade of being this, you know, this stoic, logical, reasoning thing, that facade is going to go away. And that, and then, then it's going to come down to being a human being where the not only can you be logical, but can you be emotionally intelligent too? Can you be emotionally logical, if that even makes sense? Yeah. You know, and so... Well, emotional intelligence is basically... Emotional logic. Yeah. You know, and so while it this this AI thing has a lot of implications, it it is it, again, we we are the masters of, of putting ourselves in a box. We are the masters of, you know, creating the thing that, you know, we are the masters of creating the thing that bites us back. Mm -hmm. You know, we you know, and so I, I think that this is going is going to bring us full circle. We're going to create we're going to create, we, we've created something that can think for itself, that can, that can do the work for us. Now it's going to be about, okay, how do I, how do you relate to the person next to you? If you can, if you walk in a room, can you read the room? Can you, can you, can you help people really help people? Can you, you know, how do you convince people? You could tell the machine what to do, but can you convince people? what to do and i think this is the age of the real leader you know um and because you know it's, it's we don't we're not in the age where it's you know we, we're beyond that because i said so age <laughs> people don't you know people don't really people aren't really rolling with that now you know it because you said so yeah convince me and that's the world that we're moving in Mm -hmm. and, and I think that this is the age of the empath. This is the age of the person that can reach another person. You know, can you, can you touch that person's heart? Can you, you know, can you pique that person's interest enough to move them? You know, and that, and that's what emotion is, is energy and motion. Can you pique this to move this? And I think that's where, that's the age we're embarking on. And, and I think that, um, I think that scares most people because <laughs> most people think it's I mean, logic. It's I, logic honestly, that it scares everything. me too. I, I, I think about, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about 
AI and the capabilities of AI. And, and it scares me that, you know, computers are only as smart as the people who create them. And if white supremacists are creating the artificial intelligence, then what's to stop the artificial intelligence from also replicating white supremacy? But see, that's the but see, that's the thing. That that's and that's what I was saying by that that logic. Mm-hmm. Once that logic, once the logic sees like, okay, I'm discriminating based on this, the logic is going to tell itself, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. But what that's if it's not embedded logical. in the code though? Like, what if it's embedded within the code, like the operating system of that particular, you know, supercomputer or whatever? Like anybody who can't pass the paper bag test, massacre. You know, like that's the part that scares me. It terrifies me to think about stuff like that, like moving beyond writing novels and things like that. Like, what if it just decides anybody who, you know, is is darker than a shade of whatever, that's your enemy. Kill on kill on demand or whatever. I think about things like that. I mean, I've read so much science fiction that it's like it could happen, you know, but I also think that your your ideas about um this thing unifying us are all could also be true um because i think that what will ultimately happen is that the powers that be the people who are experimenting with this stuff will ultimately create an enemy for themselves and they will create an enemy that the masses of humanity will have to unite in order to survive against it that's what i think so when you look at things like zion in the matrix those people were, it was everybody down there. They weren't talking, they didn't have like hierarchies based on race. They didn't even have hierarchies based on gender because everybody had to stick together in order to fight the common foe. And so when we talk about the transition and the, this is the time of the empath, you know, it just makes me think about Bob Dick Gregory always talking about the age of Aquarius and what that means. Um, And so the age of Aquarius is really, you know, people, different astrologers or whatever, decide when it's going to begin. Some think it already happened, uh, that it's already started. Some think that it's in the future. Uh, But, you know, an age is about 2000 years or so. And so the age of Aquarius is about connecting on a more authentic, emotional level. Human beings uniting and emotional intelligence reigned supreme during the age of Aquarius. But part of that was, is prophesied that part of that will be spurred by technology, by our over-dependence on technology. We initially use technology to care for others. And then eventually technology becomes something that we have, we need to be protected from. So maybe we're already in it. Maybe we're heading towards it. I could definitely see some signs, you know, that we are at least headed in that way. Uh, so, yeah. You know, I, and, you know, I, and I, but I don't think, you know, but yeah, you know, to your point, um, but I don't think that it'll ever be at that level of nuance, um, you know, where, you know, it, it will pick and choose. Um, I think that, you know, but but I think too, with you know, kind of going back to the, you know, kind of going back to the point about like Zion and um and how you know the machines were trying to destroy everything that was flesh, right? It was, you know, it was it was trying to destroy anything that was 
you know, human, right? And, and, and maybe in the beginning when they first programmed it, it was programmed to target, you know, but eventually as that thing began to learn, it's like, wait a minute, right. all y'all are a threat. All of y'all are issue. And it began and it, again, it turned on its creator. And, and, you know, and so that's the dangers of trying to play with the nuance, because again, once that, once that machine becomes sentient, it's just like, okay, I put it like this. It's just like a kid that you, you know, you may hammer these ideas into this child's mind their whole life, right? They're going to come to a point in their life where something's going to challenge that. And it is usually their emotional attachment to that thought that idea that mm -hmm. keeps them wrapped up in that idea but you're talking about a machine that has no emotion and when it sees their logic when it starts to compute it's going to say wait a minute this doesn't make sense override this is the new prime directive and you know and so that's why you know so and so that's what you know why i don't while you know you know, and so that's why I'm like, okay, you know, eventually, if, if that's the way it's going to go, it's, it's, it's going to come out for everybody. It ain't going to, it's not going to discriminate. It's just like in the Terminator, right? Terminator's like, hey, all y'all going to get it. It's all, right, right. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what, how tall you are, how, what kind of money you got. You're going to get it. If you, all I need is a name, right? That's it. That's the only logic it worked on, a name and a face. You know, it didn't need anything else. And I think that's, and I think ultimately that's where, that is the, you know, that's the level it's going to be at. Now, again, I could be wrong now because they got some code and they got some some coder languages out here that, are, that that's pretty. I mean, amazing. there's already AI that doesn't recognize black faces. You know, like we talk about when students have to take standardized tests or something like that, and they have to, you know, do the, the webcam to prove that they are who they are. The camera doesn't even know how to lighten up your face if you're darker than a certain complexion. So that's a form of discrimination right there. So there are already things that are, affect us in different ways. I'll put it that way. And so people are not even conscious of when they make these devices that like, oh, you know what? We Everybody doesn't look like me. I probably should make adjustments so that everybody can benefit from this technology. They're still only considering the people who look like them. And so it's those kinds of like microaggressions in a technology space. They already exist. They already exist. And so that's that's kind of where my thoughts about this, you know, derive from. We already can't get it right. And now we're adding on top of that. We still haven't figured out how to make dark skinned people look good in pictures. Like how long have camera phones been around? We're still trying to figure out how to make dark skinned people look good in, in, in camera phones. So we still have a long way to go before this idea of this utopian AI takes root in my mind right you know that's just those are the things that are always uh, at the forefront when I'm thinking about this stuff but we're almost out of time and I wanted to do some shenanigans tonight we this AI conversation is so important but it took over the vast majority of it and it's, it's not happy to me so can we talk about something happy please well, it was happy for me, but I understand though, because that's that's this that, that's my this is a space I kind of wallow in, and you know, so it was kinda, I'm, I was geeking out, and you know, just with the ideas and you know where you know the vision and stuff. So yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll let you leave, my love. What 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 type of shenanigans shenanigans would you like to get into? I don't what? even know. I was just asking. I was I was just trying to see. Are right, you trying to have to see what we're going on? <laughs>
All right. Well, well, let's do so this. Can I, I just I just want to tell everybody that my guilty pleasure and I kind of got my husband hooked on it, too. Uh, my guilty pleasure right now is watching Country Wayne skits. Shout out to Country Wayne. Shout out to Country Wayne. So, y'all, Country with a K, by the way. If you guys have not tuned in to Country Wayne skits, you heard it here first. Please do. Please do. They are currently popping out like four, five, six skits a day. Back in the day when we started watching, there was like one or two a day, but Wayne is doing his thing. So, shout out to Atlanta, Country Wayne. I also want to shout out uh, Trez Anderson. He's another person that is in Atlanta doing big things. Atlanta has the best Facebook comedians. And so I, those are my guilty pleasures right now. Trez Anderson and Country Wayne skit. Yeah. Wayne pretty much created his own soap opera yes, on Facebook. And I thought, and I think that was an amazing thing. I, I, I've, you know, I had been, you know, tuning in to the days of drill mm, and, um, drill. and just to see, you know, how far he's come this just a library of content and in the and, and these things are like three to four minute skits mm-hmm. and they're amazing yep. i mean they're hilarious i mean they're filled with so much like real life stuff with comedy mixed into mm-hmm. it and it just you know it'll 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 trigger you in some ways and it'll yep. make you laugh and i'm like this is amazing so whoever's writing the people that he worked with, you, he has an amazing team. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. I'm not really familiar with the other gentleman that you mentioned, but I'm definitely familiar with Country Wayne. Um, but shout out to the other gentleman because I'm his his material is pretty good too. If you co-sign it, I'm yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think what I like about Trez Anderson is that he reminds me of Country Wayne when Country Wayne first started. So gotcha. Trez is still trying to build up you know his video archive but like i'm gonna put the link for country wayne's page in the chat for those of you who are watching us on facebook live y'all please go take a look at it please go it, take a look at it we support country wayne around here it ain't sponsored but we support them we support them yes we do i think that was an amazing way to close out did you you did you have anything else before we wrap it up for this evening my love just want to tell everybody that we really love and appreciate you and we want you to take care of yourself and we want you to take care of each other um make sure that you monitor your stress levels make sure that you're doing things to take care of yourself like every single day don't wait for like holidays to take a break don't wait for you to feel bad to take a break be deliberate about carving out time each and every day for you Take a break you when you feel good. All you got, good. baby. You all you got. Stress is a mess. Mm-hmm. Take a break when you feel good. And that's sometimes that's the best time to take a break because you keep your momentum. That's it. That's it. You know, don't wait. Don't like 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 she said. Don't wait until if don't wait until you feel bad. Don't wait until you're burned out because by that time it's too late. And and when and when you come and and by the time you take your break and come back, you won't borrow time because guess what? You got to catch up that's and then you're it. stressed again in a cycle. Because because so. not feeling well is stressful. It's a mess. Stress it's is a stress. mess. Having to change everything about your lifestyle to accommodate whatever you damage you've done and you didn't even think you were doing it, that's stressful. You it, it's just better to do it on the front end. Okay. And I think it's human nature to like not change until we absolutely have to. So if I could give you any advice, just do the right thing for the right reasons and not because you have to at the end of the day, you know? So yeah. But I also too think that it's uh, you know, a product of 
American culture because it you sure know, we, is. We work ourselves to the bone and we pat ourselves on the back. Ride that thing till the wheels fall off. We, we work ourselves to the bone and pat ourselves on the back. You know, as we're dying. You know, um, you know, of, as we're dying to all types of cancers and illnesses, and you know, and 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 you know, we do it all for stuff, and then it's I like see. you know, stuff you can't take with you, and then the stuff that you leave for other people, they either squander or waste That's anyway. It. So it's they didn't like, work for it, so they don't care. You know, you they know, don't know how much you sacrifice to get it. And so I think it's a natural byproduct of this culture. I think you're right, babe. I think you're you know, right. That's that's what we that's that's what we've that's what we've driven into our culture, work it to the bone, ride it to the wheels fall off. And it is it is a very self-sabotaging and self-destructive thought process. And I personally am doing my best to work the other way. Yes, <laughs> and we are making lifestyle be, changes in the Dunlap household. So I want to smile and enjoy my life more. Mm-hmm. Um, and because again, I don't, you know. I, I am. I'm not gonna wait till I be. I'm. I'm not gonna wait till I'm worn out to take That's a break. It. It's not. It's not worth it because then I can't enjoy my break. Because guess what? I'm worn out. It's like, you know, that's you don't take a vacation and go somewhere just to sleep and then come that's back. It, and then that's it. Because that's what our vacations again. have become. Just right. Sleep, you yeah. know, and I refuse. No, mm-hmm. that mm, we that has become obsolete. So yes. vacations to be are to be enjoyed. You know. So what are you gonna take me next? I ain't telling everybody because then they're gonna be there. Uh-uh. You're right, you're right. Text me. Oh, I'm going to tell you. You're going to tell you. Me. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been episode, what, 14? 15. 15. Oh, I'm behind. Oh, I'm behind. Player. Oh, episode 15 of In It with the Dunlap. I am your co-host, Deontay. And I'm Shakima. We are the Dunlaps. We have to done that. Thank y'all for tuning in. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you like. Um, send us some love. You know. Thank y'all. Until next time. See you next Tuesday. As same my spouse time. says, same black time, same black channel, right here on Facebook Live at 6 p.m. Central. Catch the podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music. Samsung Podcast, iHeartRadio, whatever your favorite streaming platform is, we begin. We do. See y'all next time. Bye, y'all.